Hi guys, welcome back to another Train Brave podcast. I'm Chris Handy. I'm Rini McGregor. And today we're going to be talking about all things experience. Um, and one of the main points we're going to be talking about today is, well, getting across our individual journeys. Yeah, we live in a day and age where everybody wants to be an expert. Everybody wants this instant gratification of qualifying and, and, and doing it. And I think like it's really important to help people maybe see the journey that you and I have been on, Chris, because, you know, we've we've been around for a few years. Hmm. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think like one of the things we want to say is, you know, like, I don't know, I feel like perhaps the art of hard work has disappeared a little bit because um, I, not because people are not determined, no. but because they're, it, we just have become, I think, a society where everything's instant. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. It's, it's, it's everything. Unfortunately, we live in a society where everything's quick. You know, we can get everything done. You know, with Amazon and everything we have now in this, in this day and age, it's, everything's overnight. Yeah. And we do because of social media and everything. We see that instant. Well, we see images of instant successes. But as we all, most of us should be aware of, um, there's some really good. Um, books out there 10,000 hours you know there's that, that kind of that whole theory where you know there's years and years behind success and it, and it comes and it comes back to your own story and every every professional that you see everyone that you've you aspire to there's a there's a journey behind there and you really have to respect that so yeah one of the things that i found really fascinating is just talking to my peers who've been in the in the you know in the industry as long as i have is that there does seem to be particularly with social media and Instagram and this this kind of influencer market, there does seem to be this kind of need to prove yourself right away. And like when I look at some of the youngsters coming out of uni, like even just last last yesterday, I put up a Q&A, like ask me a question on Instagram. And a lot of them were about my career. And there was a couple that were like, you know, I'm newly qualified. How do I, how do I get um, to your level how do I um, work with eating disorders and the answer is you don't you don't do that instantly no it's an, right? advanced, it's an advanced position to be in isn't it so 100% yeah, yeah. like where I am today I mean you know I this is we're you know we're in 2019 and I ha I qualified in 1999 yeah. so that tells you something about how long it's taken me to get here and and the other thing is that you know and I know we're going to talk about this as as the podcast goes along but books like everybody wants to write a book it's almost like you write a book and suddenly you've made it you don't even seem to need to have any experience on on what you're writing about and again you know people throw things at me and say oh well, how did you get into writing books well the answer is I didn't go in search of writing books I was approached by a publishing company. They had been apparently um, watching what I was doing. They'd been following some of the articles I'd written in, in magazines. They'd been following some of the um, talks I'd been doing and they liked what they saw. And then they approached me and they said, you know, do you think you'd be able to write a book on sports nutrition? We really like the way you have your practical angle and that's what we'd we'd like to see. And and I'm not going to lie to you, Chris, when I got the first email, I thought it was a hoax and I ignored it. <laughs> yeah, of course. I like, completely ignored it and I was just like, yeah, right, okay, whatever. Some publishing company just trying to uh, lure you in or something. Yeah, or whatever, or completely. Just yeah, 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 it was yeah. like, this was, sort of, so this was 2013 and I remember because I was just about to, to pack my bags and go to Nepal for my first ever uh, mountain adventure out there and um, I'd got this email and I was like yeah whatever and I went off to Nepal did my thing came back and I had another email saying um, we sent you an email a few weeks ago and we haven't heard back from you are you interested and I was like 
my God, this is serious, right? So I looked up the publishing company, probably should have done that first, but I was too excited about Nepal. And, um, <laughs> Priorities, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, right, they really are a legitimate publishing house and they really want to work with me. This is quite strange. And I honestly, I mean, we're talking 2013, so we're not that long ago, six years ago. So what, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. What, yeah. what made, what, what, what were you putting out there at that time to that was obviously cutting edge or it was obviously you were, uh, there was something that obviously attracted your, their attention to you what, what do you think that was so I was doing quite a lot of writing at that point I was writing a lot for cycling plus magazine I was doing a lot for triathlon magazine um I was doing quite a lot of free content because you do you and know this like was on the topic of what? sports nutrition yep, sports yeah nutrition. So just was, in general kind of. yeah, yeah it was yeah, just yeah. kind of trying to get I guess what I've always been really good at is making the theory practical yeah. you know people don't want to know that they need 60 grams of carbs. They want to know what does that look like yeah. as food? And I was very good at that. I was very good at kind of translating the um, the theory, the science into something more palatable and easy to digest, yeah. pardon yeah. all the puns, but you know, we are talking about sports nutrition. Yeah. And so, and I guess they saw that and they liked the way I wrote, which, um, you know, that was a real, I mean, I like writing, as you know, it's something I really enjoy doing and I do it for pleasure as well. So that was that was really helpful. And um, that's where the story began. So I met them. We had a conversation and literally two weeks later, I signed my first contract for training food. Training food. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, the rest is history, as uh, as we know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a just jump back a little bit. I'm going to go back to that whole like you, what, so you qualified in. 1999 so 1999 mm -hmm. so let's you know today's obviously about that experience and i want you guys to kind of well i want to get a bit of a, a window into our lives a little bit and find out like what the steps were so obviously we just heard about really writing a book but let's 1999 where did you go from there like what was once you once you graduate once you qualified what was what was the next step from there okay so i actually did two degrees before i went into <clears throat> the world of dietetics so i did a biochemistry degree first um loved it loved how the body works at cellular level found it really fascinating it kind of really it's how my geeky mind tends to work um but at the same time i had a brilliant tutor at university who said to me that my personality suited more clinical kind of more clinical reasoning and the ability to apply that information into practice and so he was the one who suggested i go and look into dietetics and actually organized for me to go and spend some time in the local dietetic department speak to the dietitians and and see if it kind of floated my boat and and so i did and actually i was like yeah i can do this i i like this this is you know how you can use food to help individuals from a clinical point of view you know without the kind of you know, as, as an addition to medicine and conventional medicine. Um, so I then did dietetics um, as a postgrad, which in itself at that time was a year of theory and then a year of practical placements. So you're basically an intern for a year where you work for free and you do the job of, uh, you know, a newly qualified dietitian. Yeah. It is hard work. Like you are literally run ragged. What are you doing? Like paperwork? I mean, you. What, what, oh no, you're on like? the ward. Yeah, you okay. you are given a caseload. You are, and I I was at uh, Guys and St Thomas's, so big, massive teaching hospital. I was given six wards to manage, um, completely different specialities. So ranging from general, where you get anybody and everybody that comes in. It could be appendicitis. It could be. Um, you know, um, I don't know, oncology, it could be um, 
a child that is struggling with their breathing. It could be anything. You multiple could, age groups, multiple... Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all the way through to geriatrics um, to... And then more specialist things like MaxFax. So, you know, like when somebody's had surgery maybe on their jaw or they've had to have part of their... Um, tongue resectioned or, or whatever it might so be so the foods are having to be what processed or like you're having to yeah it has to be you have to kind of um, deliver via a tube and um provide them with the right nourishment the right micronutrients so micronutrients. That's you know, the skill i mean the skill set you're going to you're having to establish quickly and not only is it obviously quite technical mm. because that type of that type of patient is highly there's a lot of issues and problems that could, could arise there and then, and then on top of that, you're obviously having to learn on the fly a little bit as well, because obviously once you you can get you get qualified, and I think we're going to talk about this later on as well. Is the easy part is obviously getting the certification and getting the qualification, but it's actually the after the after after the qualification is that where the journey really starts, and obviously you got thrown in the deep end quite quickly. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like honestly, the first day, so that was like my placement year, where you you're you do have a dietitian mentor so you know you have someone you can go back to and go oh I don't know what to do and and then they can support you but you have to pass that and I did pass that with flying colors which was great and actually got my first job pretty much straight away I was very very lucky I was actually um I only went through maybe three interviews I got offered all three jobs and so I had a choice which paid, one I wanted. Paid. this talking, was paid yeah this, this is, is a paid job seeing some money for the off your work now yeah. yeah okay cool but dietetics is like medicine so you have to work through the ranks. Yeah. You don't go from becoming a dietitian qualified to suddenly working in eating disorders or pediatrics or oncology. You have to get the hands-on medical experience like you would with a junior doctor. Yeah, but like, that's like anything, isn't it? Any profession, really. Like, I mean, I'm just, you know, it's, you, you, if you take a step back and if you're sitting in front of someone, you'd want them to have as much, you know, you would expect 10, 15, 20 years of experience, hopefully, you know, if you're paying for someone's time or... A hundred percent. I agree with you, but I think that that's not always the case. And well, like with, with dietetics, particularly, if you want to be a dietitian, you have to go through this process. So I spent the next seven years basically on the wards doing different things. So I went from doing, um, again, more general medical to um, then becoming more specialist in my field. So I started working mainly in gastro and um, renal, so kidneys, and then pediatrics. And it was when I went into pediatrics a lot more is when the eating disorder stuff really kicked in. Okay. Um, that said, you always saw eating disorder clients yeah. on the wards, the special general medical wards. And it wasn't something I thought I was going to do. It wasn't something I thought that would be of interest to me, but I actually did find it quite fascinating. I started to realize the more I got into it, the more actually I had quite an interest in neuroscience and psychology. And so I started doing more reading around that, doing more sort of study around that, just because I was interested and I wanted to get good outcome with the people I worked with. Um, so I worked in the NHS from 1999 till 2008. Okay. Um, and at that stage, I... full time? Yes. Yeah. Um, and at that stage, I started to become a little bit disillusioned. I started to find that it wasn't that I didn't enjoy my job. I've always really enjoyed what I've done. And I, and I learned a lot in that time, not just about the people I worked um, with, but also about the people that... I worked with with like physios and consultants and nurses and how you interact with these people how you go on ward rounds with these people how you get your point across if you need to like 
you know, I can remember certain times when I was fighting my case for a child to be fed before an op because they were they delayed the op and this child needed feeding. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, you have to fight your corner. Like when they, yeah. you, don't, you don't eat what. How many hours before? Is Usually that, it's like 12, 12 hours, hours before, yeah. And if they delay it, oh, that's just going to... Yeah, yeah. exactly. How long can you really hold someone off, you know? Yeah. Completely, especially when it's a child. So, like, you know, I've, I've had some really interesting situations that I've had to deal so with. So straight away there, like, you're... Though that skill set you're, you're developing there, being able to talk to other help, other professionals, confidently standing there and actually having to fight your corner, because that's obviously a massive part of being a health professional. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a really important part. And it's also, like... The more experience you have, and you and we'll talk, you know, I'm sure you will, you will, you know, talk about your own experience in a minute. But the more experience you have with people, yeah, the more you take that with you. Like we're not going to get on with every single person that you come across, but you have to learn how you engage with that person. You have to learn how you're going to get them to respond to you. Yeah, uh, and and so you learn about people, and I think that's where I feel, particularly at the moment. I see in my industry newly qualified nutritionists, newly qualified dietitians are jumping the gun. They're trying to, they're missing the experience. They're not learning how to interact with the um, with the public. They're not learning how to interact with their peers. They're not learning how to interact with medics and um, physios. I mean, I had so much fun doing that. Can I? I'm going to say well, one thing is I know from working with you, Rini, is. When you jump the gun like that, you try to leap steps. You you don't realize the amount of um, mental strength you need to acquire through those steps to then deal with the higher end cases. Like in in the strength training world, people you know a lot of coaches aspire to working with athletes, but and when you are high end athletes who are you know professional athletes, but the problem when you get to the pointy end, when obviously you're eating disorders, professional athletes, whatever. That point to end, there's a hell of a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. And if you're leaping and you're trying to leap and you're trying to work with those individuals almost, you know, from the get-go, you, that's a lot of responsibility that you cannot take too lightly. Like, you know, if you've got to have the skill set, you've got to have the rapport, you've got to have the authority to stand in front of another coach, another health professional, and actually be able to say, hey, this person needs to stop. Yeah. This person needs to slow down. This person is risking health. There's so many different things there that... If you do not build that kind of that, that strength through those steps, like those years in the NHS you had there mm. were developing over years and years of experience and strength to be able to stand next to a doctor and in front of other physiotherapists, other clinicians, and be able to have those conversations. And that that is what I think experience can give you is that, that authority, that yeah. power. And you can't fake that. Like, you know, when you're standing in front of someone who's got experience, not only do they talk the talk, but they're able, they have the ability, they walk the walk, they... They just, you know, they have that, they, they own the room, they own, they own the space. But I think also you learn the art of humility as of well. You Empathy, learn yeah. the ability to go, do you know what? Yeah, I'm wrong here. Yes. And you learn to walk away from something that you know that maybe you can't change or maybe actually is not in your power. And that is, for me, that's a really important part of who I am as a person. Like I am very happy to hand over to somebody else if it's not, you know, if it's not working with me, if I'm not getting the outcome I need, if someone's not responding to me, or actually listening to somebody else in the mix and they're saying, do you know what, Rina, I think we need to handle it this way. I'm like, fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think you you learn the art of being gracious as well. Again, what, the reason why we work in, we're working together mm. and we have the, the pure practice upstairs and everything, we, 
having that ability to be able to say, hey, I don't know the answer, right? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I've got someone who I, who, I've got, who I work closely with who's really going to, who probably will know the answer, or we're going to work it out together. You know, it's that, that's, I think that's what you're talking about there, that humility to be able to step back and go, hey, I don't fully know. And I think when you're inexperienced, you have that fear of trying to know everything and yeah. trying to answer everything. And when you're in front of someone who's experienced, they might not tell you straight away that they don't know, but they'll go, hey, I'm going to go away and work that out for you. Or I'm going to go away and find out for you. Yeah. So it's that, and that's the gold. That's that kind of, you know that you're in safe hands there when you know that you've got a t- you know, you've got someone who's who's not, well, he's not um, bullshitting you. you know, yeah. In a nice possible yeah, way to yeah, say yeah, it, you know, yeah. there's no bullshit there. They're just being honest, but professional with you. Yeah, 100%. And I think also, you know, like, we're talking about experience. So my experience started off very clinical. And then I actually did another degree because I quite like studying. And I did another <laughs> degree in sports nutrition. People kept saying to me, why do you need to do a degree in sports nutrition? Really? You've got a dietetic degree, you know, sport, you've, you know, you've got biochemistry background, like, why do you need to do it? And I was like, because for me, I need to be credible. I need to know that I really get it. I really understand it. And so doing another degree in in applied sports nutrition was really important to me. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. I sailed through it. I found it quite easy compared to a lot of people because I do have a background because I had practiced and I did pass and I got good grades. And I was very, very fortunate that because of that skill base and because of that experience, I landed a job very, very quickly. And that was my first job in sport. I got the job working with the Great Britain Rhythmic Gymnastic Team going into London 2012. Um, And I got that because of my experience both clinically and in sports nutrition. So again, don't ever underestimate what experience gives you. It sometimes gives you... I think sometimes people think that they, you know, you don't... Your past experience might not benefit you. But for me... My clinical experience has probably benefited me more than anything else in my career as a sports dietitian, without a doubt. So guys, I think one of the main takeaways me really wanted to have from this podcast today was, like um, we were talking about this earlier on, well, a couple of days ago, that human beings aren't textbooks, aren't mm. textbook. So, you know, both of us have degrees behind us. Both of us kind of, we, we thrive on reading and research. and But we we know, we also know, like a lot of great other pr- practitioners out there, is that it's it's only is theory and it's, it's it gives us structure and it gives us a template or blueprint and a template to work from but but in but when, as soon as you sit down in front of that individual you start working with them in, in a gym space you know there's a you've, you've got to start working out what this individual is about and there's so much more to it so to use the theory use all those degrees you've got there really i'm sure it's it's something it's given you mm-hmm. it's given you confidence it's given you the, the letters it's given you the qualifications that you need to have that to you know to have that authority but that doesn't that you cannot forget that there's nine years of an NHS you've had years since then uh, I do you even know how many people you've worked with oh I couldn't tell you but I uh, what I will say is that you're learning all the time I never yeah. ever feel like I you know I know people sometimes term me the expert in certain areas within sports nutrition and I and I I, I almost like grimace when people say that because I don't think you're I for me personally I don't think I'll ever be the expert because for me I'm always learning and I'm learning from the people I work with and I know like you know something else people are not always aware of is that I've got a lot of experience in sports nutrition and nutrition but I also have got you know three years of experience working as the sports science lead to two um uh, to two Paralympic teams that hmm. went into Rio and 
while I did that as an experience, it's not something that, I mean, I guess I learned from it in the sense that I learned I don't want to do that. That kind of management level doesn't, it doesn't, it's not something that floats my boat. I like being a practitioner. I like being hands-on. I like being on the field of play. I'm not necessarily somebody that enjoys thinking about all the the different aspects of managing a big, big team. Although that's been very helpful coming into the pure practice and us developing team. our team yeah, here. Um, when I work with Scottish Ballet, one of the things that my clinical lead there says to me is that he enjoys being able to have these conversations about what do we do next? How do we get contingency in for the dancers? And, and, and like, you know, how do we get them to feel properly when they're on tour? And, and I guess while a lot of that is the practical science, people would say, Actually, what I'm really offering when I'm talking to um, Martin about about these things is 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 my experience of working in Rio. It's my experience of working in London. It's yeah. that understanding what it feels like to be in a very highly pressured environment mm. where you've got little time, you've got a lot of anxiety. You need to look after these athletes or dancers, and then then the turnover is really really quick. So experience as we're both you know as we keep saying experience is not just the number of letters I've got after my name mm. or the amount of study time I've had my experience is is all the mistakes I've made it's it's all those difficult conversations I've had it's it, it's it is the travel but it's also learning about how I cope in those environments and that's the thing it all sounds very glamorous but I don't always cope particularly well well, the trenches, when you're in the trenches, obviously, it's uh, having any, everyone's probably has it in their own in their own workspace. But when it comes to this type of work, it, you, we, you know, there are times where we both had to had a, kind of had a good chat, I think, is um, you know, we've had conversations where we just, you know, it's been pretty, you know, it's tough, it's tough moments, isn't it? There's really, a lot of tough moments. Really tough moments. And I think you, I mean, you more than anyone probably, I mean, we talk a lot. We spend a lot of time together talking in the gym, talking in clinic. Um, you know talking about the podcast and yeah it's hard like sometimes and, and you know again sometimes your athletes or the people you work with they get to you oh of course I do I mean you you cannot do what we do you cannot work with people without and, and, and be effective unless you commit to them mm. like um, I'll talk about my experience in a minute yeah. but like you know I'm, I'm an ex-teacher as well as a coach and I've, I've always worked with people my whole life and you cannot be good at your job if you, if you want to work with people unless you commit to them. And if you don't fully commit, and when you do commit to someone, you become emotionally attached to a certain degree, um, which is which is not not the best thing to do when you when you're a professional because you have multiple case pe- cases to work with. But that it takes energy, it takes emotional energy, energy, and there's a drain, you know, there's a drain to that. But it's, a, I mean, but it, you know, don't get me wrong, it's a wonderful balance between the two because you have such amazing high moments working with people and the successes that you have. But yeah. unfortunately, there's always the opposite to that. There's always the low moments, and you ride the lows with your clients and with your patients. So, it's. It's it's a roller coaster, and obviously now that we're working together, it's a, we're able to kind of help each other. Like and with even with Sonia upstairs and our physios on on site, we're able to help each other through it a little bit more. So yeah, yeah, and I think that's it. Like you know, my experience, and I'm sure your experience. One of the other things it's taught me is the importance of having a really good support system. So from my point of view, when I left. I guess I mean I don't I don't think I've left high performance sport but when I left the Paralympic Olympic sports and I decided to set up alone I did that at probably one of my most vulnerable moments in my life because I'd just separated from my my husband 
I'd just bought a house and I thought, oh, you know what? I'll start a new business at the same time because, you know, that's what you do. And for the first 18 months, I did that alone. And it was hard work. Coming into this environment, I knew straight away coming into the Pure Practice to set up the Inspire Clinic to work alongside Strength for Endurance. I knew instantly what I needed. I knew that I needed a multidisciplinary team kind of framework and I knew I the kinds of people I needed to work with and I had gone in search of the people I needed because of my experience because of knowing what works for me and the types of people that are on my wavelength and want the same outcome as me because that is so important and that was one of the things that was really hard working in in some of the teams I've worked with previously because there's a lot of egos in sport Mm. and that's not an environment I want to work in because it doesn't suit me as an individual. I'm not saying it's not right for everybody, but it doesn't suit me. And that's the thing, like your your experience is, is about helping people, but it's also about understanding yourself and what you need to be successful. Now, I mean, you and Polly have created something amazing here. Like what what we have in the clinic with, your, with the gym and what you offer. I mean, I see it day in, day out. People love this space. <laughs> My clients come in, they've no idea what goes on in here. And they come in and they're like, oh my God, you guys have got a really amazing space here. You can feel the energy. You can feel the good vibes between you all. Mm. That makes me feel good because it means I've made the right choices. But it also makes me feel really proud of what you've done because I can see how you're helping people. So talk me through your journey because like, you know, I know bits of it, but I don't know it all. So how did Mm. you get to where you are? Um, it probably, you probably need to go back to when I was a, a young man, younger man. So about when I was 16, 17, 18, I was playing a lot of sport, like a lot of young men and women do. Um, wasn't quite sure which direction I wanted to go. Um, I played quite high level and I was training all the time. Um, but I loved to coach. I loved, loved working with people. I was, you know, I just, and so I got into, um, I thought about becoming a teacher. I thought about becoming a physio. Um, but so what I eventually ended up doing is I, I did a year working with my, um, my, my, my first year out of college college was actually, I went back to my college and I started working with the PE department and I was, I did like half a year working as a, like an assistant kind of assistant in the PE department, trying to get a feel for like being a teacher. And that was kind of cool, but I wasn't sure about that. Then, so then I went, then I spent the second half of the year working with, um, the physio team that was based on, um, as part of the school. So they worked with, um, the disabled kind of group, um, that was ba- the students based at the school, um, in the gym environment, working with, with the physios. I was del- helping deliver some of the programming. Okay. That now I was starting to get a bit more of an idea of what the direction I wanted to go. Still wasn't sure whether I wanted to be a teacher or a physio. So, when I got myself a sports science degree, so off I went. Did three, did my three or four years of uh, getting my degree. Loved it, but quite quickly realised like it wasn't. It, it was something. It was a, only a stepping stone as to which the direction I wanted to go. So, um, once I graduated, I kind of I, I was playing a lot of hockey and a lot of a lot of sports still, um, and I just continued to grow my co- my coaching uh, my coaching um, experience. Um, coaching a lot of different different age groups, um, and then I went and got my. We went to we moved to Australia, me and, me and Polly. This is um, before we got married. Polly was a high end um, tri- um, triathlete over here. She's pretty good, pretty good mm-hmm. amateur. I would recently got my personal training qualification because I thought, well, if I want to work in a gym environment, work with people, let's get. 
And within, so I'd been doing that just before we went to Australia, got to Australia. As soon as we landed, we landed, we pretty much fell into a routine of poly training full time. I started to work with athletes, our, our local community, which happened to be a lot of the general public, but a lot of endurance based athletes. Um, I continue to continue to graph, um, graft mm. and, um, and to build up my experience. So that what that looked like was multiple gym spaces. I was working in three along the coast um, on the east coast of Australia. I was working across three different gyms at one point, um, just because of the different clientele I wanted to work with. Um, I was again, I was working with the general public, working with athletes, working with mums, dads. But I knew very quickly that there was this niche within endurance sport that was just really beginning to um, appeal to me because obviously Polly, my wife, mm. my, my, my at them, um, I was living with her. I was this is you know I was coming up on seven eight years of living with a a full time athlete, and the group that we we had the social group we had were all they were lacking. A, a a simple strength program I, I, and they were missing the, the point about the, the the benefits of having a strength and conditioning program in their lifestyle and so i started we started to service them i started to we started running sessions we started running or doing you know uh, doing consultations with them all and very very quickly started seeing some very quick results as you would as you as you all will and, and as most people will see if they start to challenge weaknesses and and um, that's kind of how the business grew. We kind of, it just literally kind of took off from there and started talking a lot more about, um, about benefits of strength training for the endurance, endurance performance. Um, and, it, and it very much began to snowball. And, um, and, over, and especially over in Australia, there was a, a very, very big community of, of athletes and we started to travel with it. Um, and we were starting to do you know, seminars and hosting kind of events for running clubs, triathlon clubs, because obviously that was what we were kind of looking to. It just felt easy to talk to, to the endurance community because I, I like to think I, we know how they think because you know, I, I, I used to watch and train with Polly and her, and her athletes on a daily basis for, well, coming on 12 years now. So mm. you just get to know the busy lifestyle that people lead. Um, but all the while, whilst we're doing this is happening, I actually I also got my teaching qualification. So I was whilst all this was happening, building the business and getting the experience, I I qualified as a teacher over in Australia because I still wasn't completely confident in my abilities. And I won't lie to you guys, if in terms of coaching, one of the hardest hardest learning experiences of my life was learning to be a teacher, mm. in the sense that I was getting. I was confident in front of adults, but then getting thrown in, in your, as part of your teaching qualification, you have to obviously gain, you have to do six week blocks of uh, work experience. I mean, you're getting yeah. into the, and getting thrown into some of these high schools and getting thrown in front of these groups of kids that you really learn how to deal and cope with. Yeah. I mean, I think any of us that have worked with teenagers and obviously I've worked with quite a lot of youngsters in sport, getting the buy-in from an adult who kind of knows they need to do stuff and they want they come to you usually yeah. is a whole different ball game to getting the buy-in and the respect from teenagers yeah. um and and i think i mean i think teachers are amazing because i don't think i could be a teacher i mean i know people say well you are a teacher but it's a different yeah. di i'm not i'm not you know i'm not working in a classroom and getting them to 
to to listen and focus and get them through their exams and you know so I think I take my hat off I think teaching is probably one of the hardest jobs out there but it's I mean honestly learning it like it's like anything when you it's like when you get thrown into the deep end mm. like you were back in the day yeah like in that, you know yeah, that yeah. was I mean imagine you had some pretty rough nights going home just burn out like look probably didn't want to talk to anyone look at anything yeah I, I did exactly the same thing there are there are there are so many so many days and nights you'll go home from a, from the gym I'd be I'd, I'd work from with eight or nine different clients across the week across the day knowing that I've got you know I've got multiple clients the next day and each of them has their own individual problems mm. or things we're trying to achieve um they've all got their own riding their own roller coaster and it takes it takes obviously takes a lot out of you but mm. my word you learn so much so quickly in those moments and again that's all experience and so the whole teaching thing i loved it but it, and it, it gave me it's given me skills give me the confidence probably like you with your extra degrees you did <laughs> yeah like that type of you cannot replace that type of like that confidence it gives you and i you know i can now because of those years of work you can confidently stand up in front of a group of you know young young kids through to young adults through to you know 30 40 year olds through to all the way through to you know geriatric age so it's, it does not matter because of that experience that i've gained through over the years and then obviously going back to it the business obviously back into the you know like the the, the, the journey as it were um yeah it, we kind of teaching was always been there but then it very i realized again quickly that strength and conditioning was my where mm. my love was the working with working with, being an athlete working with other athletes i you know i if you listen talk to any young strength and conditioning coach they love to they want to aspire to working with athletes and and there i was working with a, a crop of amazing endurance-based athletes that honestly had no idea how much more potential they had if yeah. they simply apply some basic strength strength work into their into their into their world, and and obviously we did that, and you get instant results. I mean, I'm, it's crazy to say, but within weeks you start to see a turnaround. You know, and when you have that, it's like a it's like a, in a nice way, it's like a drug because you kind of go right. Who else can I help? Who else can we work with? Right, every running club and triathlon club, we'll get we'll get in contact. The, the business actually started off as a network that we wanted to create this network mm. across the country across the world and we got into contact with coaches and trainers around the world who were doing similar based um working with a similar niche similar communities um <clears throat> but it's kind of evolved into its own thing now strength for endurance and we work with people all over the world now which we're lucky to, we're proud to say um and we're just looking to bring that strength and conditioning to the endurance population but also the rehab and mm. I, I i think it might be a good chance to say now actually that amongst all of this kind of the educational experience that I've got strength and conditioning certifications and working with different athletes probably what the underlying experience that a lot of people don't know about me is I've actually had quite two two serious knee injuries over those years of playing high-end um, sport um, and they happened whilst I was at uni. They happened whilst I was studying. Um, and just before, just before Australia, I did it again, um, did my left knee again. And both those journeys allowed me to obviously then work harder with my physio, work on my rehab. And so that has, that has kind of honed me into what I am today. Yeah. Going, and we talk about the hardest, hardest moments of your life. And those break... You know, those two bad injuries to my ACL, my my left knee, were probably the darkest moments of my young adult life. Yeah. But the best experience of my life because 
but not only was the endurance the work of the endurance athletes and the endurance community there because of poly because of my injury I realized how important it, how much passion I had to helping others with injuries, yeah. which is exactly what we, spe- we specialize in now. We, um, and that's why we are so driven to work with other health professionals, physios, yourself, because it's the only way to service people across the board. And yeah, no, so it's, it's come to, to this point now, we've come, we've, we've come to a point now where we have, we're kind of we're realizing a bit of a dream where we've got multiple professionals under one roof. Mm. Um, we don't all have the answers, but together we work them out and it's, it's, it's very fulfilling, very fulfilling. Yeah, I think um, somebody asked me the other day, like, how, did you, how do you get job satisfaction? And I, I said, I've got job satisfaction probably for the first time in 20 years now because it's taken me 20 years to work out what it is that makes me tick. And a bit like you, you know, I've got clinical experience. I've got sports nutrition experience. I've got very high end working at, you know, in the field of play at a major games experience multiple times. None of those made me tick. None of those made me go, okay, this is what I was, you know, meant to do. And I think over the course of the last few years, particularly, I've started to work out that I need a purpose and I've also really focused on who I am as an individual, what my core values are, and does my job align with my core values? And actually, that's what made me move away from the Paralympic and the Olympic sports, because working in those teams, I didn't align with my own core values. Yeah. Whereas now, I very much do, because for me, like compassion and care and self-acceptance and sustainability longevity of your health and your performance is what is critical and important to me as an individual but also what I like to teach others and that's what I'm all about and that's why especially being here in this environment working with other practitioners that have the same outlook it just makes life so much easier. So I, I skip into work these days. Like hmm. even when I, even when I'm feeling miserable, which Chris knows often too well. <laughs> hey, I'm the same. <laughs> we have days. It, everyone has those days where we, we drag our feet a little bit, and yeah. we're a little bit. It's just it's just life. But I know that I will always leave smiling. because not just because of the people I work with because actually that's very draining as you know some of the people that I see in clinic is it's tough it's hard work for me um but actually I always leave smiling because of our team because of the people in this building that know what to say how to be with me what they need to do just to get that little bit of smile out of me and actually it means that I, I still feel I have job satisfaction, even on those days when I do go home and cry. And I've been honest about this before. My job now, working with individuals who have eating difficulties, who have a, you know, they, they, they still have that absolute desperate desire to be the best, but they have become a bit dysfunctional with their relationship with food and exercise. My job now is, is really hard. Like I, I absorb people's pain, suffering, anxiety uncertainty and I take that home with me and I cry a lot because it's the only way I know sometimes how to process people's yeah, pain just get it out sometimes yeah and just yeah, yeah yeah um but I still wouldn't change it 
because I do love what I do. Because when we get it right, and we've done that quite a few times, yeah. even in the last few months, when we get it right, it just means the absolute world to oh, me. Oh man, it's a, it's, a, it's a drug. Like in a nice possible way, like you are you know like if you just keep working at it you know we keep processing it we keep just working working through it the 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 the, the light at the end of the tunnel is worth it's worth the fight yeah guys i want to just mention like so going back to obviously experience you can tell from obviously my story Rini's story nothing's linear there's no there's no straight line to success and that's obviously the underlying message here is Guys, those of you who are already out, some of you are, are probably grafting right now. Yeah. Like you're out there, you're in the trenches, you're kind of, re, you know, you're studying, you're balancing jobs, you're work, you know, you're trying to balance social life, training, you're training yourself. Just keep pushing through because every, as I say, going all the way back to the beginning of the of the of the talk, we uh, podcast. It's so important to understand that behind every success, there's years of experience, years of graft. There's dark moments, there's light moments, but it's it's worth it. Just gotta get you know, you just keep working through it. Keep uh, looking for mentors amongst yourself. But it's I think that's really important for you to understand because as you can hear from both of our stories so far, it's our experiences. It's you know we've we've tried things we've got it you know we've we've worked through things we've had to earn a earn earn a living somewhere mm. somehow um and then we've had to give up free time we've had to work way outside of our work paid hours i mean guys that's a huge thing by the way like yeah. in terms of experience <laughs> yeah. you do not expect to get paid for every hour that you work because no. when you break it down especially as a any type of coach working with like there is for every hour that you get paid for i would probably put two three behind that and you're probably diluting that yeah. that whatever that wage is or that that per hour money but dilute that by three three hours four hours because yeah. that's really the amount of mental time the program writing and the nutritional plans you're probably writing there on the saturday afternoon you're out for a walk or a run and you're probably three or four of three or four of your clients are going through your mind yeah there is i cannot cannot stay say enough that you you know there is a not a price to pay, but there's, you know, we take a lot on your shoulders when you work with people. And it's also the most rewarding thing, but it's also the, it's a, 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 a not a burden. It's more like, it's just, it comes with the territory, I think. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. just to put things into context, this is the first time in 20 years I've taken Christmas off. Hmm. Right, that's just to put things into context. Uh, yeah. Like I, you know, I, you have to work hard. And, and, and I think one thing just to add to your point, Chris, about I mean, nothing's linear. Life's not linear. Work's not linear. But also don't be fearful of making mistakes. I've learned the most from my mistakes. Like I've had clients that it hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And instead of going, shrugging my shoulders and going, well, it didn't work out. I've gone away. I've looked at my practice. I've gone to other practitioners and gone through. I've done a lot of reflective practice, a lot of clinical supervision with people and gone, this is what I did. In fact, we had a case in here quite early on when I first came into <coughs> the clinic and I spoke to Sonia about it. And I was like, this is what I did. Would What would you have done in the circumstances? And she went through it with me and she said, actually, I would have done exactly what you would have done. And now I think you need to do this. Mm. And it was really helpful to have that conversation and sounding board. And I think that's the thing is like, you know, we all need support. We don't have to be the ones in the know all the time. And I feel like that's where a lot of people go wrong. They're they're too scared to ask for help. They're too scared Mm. to admit that they don't know the answers. They're too scared to admit that they've made a mistake. It doesn't matter. You learn from your mistakes. I always say, even when I'm talking to my clients, 
you shouldn't be fearful of failure because there's no such thing as failure. You just learn from every experience. Well, it's, wh- it's whether you actually learn from those mistakes. Mm. I mean, that's probably one of the things, you know, like you, you have, you know, take take that moment, take that lesson and actually learn from it. You know, reflect. I think we were talking about this mm. just before we jumped on the podcast that um, the, art, the art of coaching, the ability to be able to reflect on your, so, you know, when you've, and that's what experience is about obviously you you apply something you you see if it works yes it does kind of works not sure but you in, in those moments after and, and days afterwards you're reflecting on your on your performance whether you're recording that or not you're, you're constantly learning about working with people and that is what experience is about is that the reflecting on reflecting on your performance reflecting on you know, the impact that you're having with your with your client your your athlete and I think and it's that's super important to remember. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we started this podcast basically wanting to give you some information about who we were and what our experience was and what makes us, I suppose, able to do the job we do day in, day out. And there is no one size fits all. Like, you know, we've both come at it from very different um, journeys we've had different experiences but we are fundamentally now working together with pretty much the same outcome um, supporting each other through it and you know like what I would say to anybody who's listening to this who's sitting there going oh my god that sounds like hard work it is hard work <laughs> but you have a lot of fun on the way oh crikey yeah I mean it's 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 the, it's the exciting part about working with like working with people full stop is yeah. it's a you know as I said earlier on ups and downs like in, in like any job there's there's pros and cons to every single job out there even the professional athletes who are getting paid loads of money they still have to there's still low low points for them too so it's it doesn't matter it really you know everyone has to have to you know graft and put the work in and I think that's another great little message you know just I think we're all aware of it but again when it's not sometimes it's not people don't see that they don't Mm. see it because obviously the world we live in currently you don't see the work behind the success or the the uh well it looks like success anyway people on instagram i think social media has it has you know does have a part to play like i i don't i don't document every single minute of my day on social media you do not get all the clinic time you do not get the conversations that I have with Chris you do not get the tears that I have when I can't get through to someone or when someone's really got underneath my skin because that's not for me to share with you guys but you do get nuggets of information you do get the education you do get the message I'm trying to get out there and I think that's more important because social media doesn't sell me social media is not my job right I think that's a really important thing for for us both to say is that we use social media to to educate you guys to give you more accessibility to what we do but it's not our job if we didn't do social media we would still have jobs that pay our bills yeah. and actually give us satisfaction and i think maybe just take a little bit of stock on that as well yeah um I, I've, I've always heard this like especially in the strength training world like the best coaches out there and certainly in the strength and conditioning is are the ones you don't really hear about mm. because guess what they are working they yeah. are grafting. They're on the. They're on the. They're on the gym floor. They're in. The, they're. On, they're out in the. Out in the foot, football fields. Wherever they are, they're. They're, they're just grafting because they don't have time to publicize and journalize their lives because they're working with people. And so, really important when when you're trying to look for mentors and you're looking for people, 
don't always look for the ones that are posting every five minutes because mm. they probably haven't got much clientele and they're not getting much experience. They're basing their life off probably following other people and piecing it together. And you'll quickly realize that if you were to sit down and have a consult with them or you sit down, you're probably going to work it out for yourself quite quickly. But just be aware of that. Like the best of the best generally are, aren't the loudest. They're the ones that are they're, they're just getting the work done. They're getting the results done. And they're the ones I look for personally. I look for the ones who post every now and again. But when they do post, it's very empowering and very like to the point and you're like crikey this person not only has the education but they they've they've worked it they've walked the walk you know they're they're on the they're on the on the floor they're working they're, they're working with individuals and as i said they they're the ones i want you, know, you lot of you should be looking for to further your experiences so the ones you should probably be leaning towards because yeah they're they're the ones that aren't so concerned about likes and everything else so yeah exactly Guys, I think we're going to leave it there. Um, I think just you've got, get, got gained a little bit of insight into kind of our backgrounds. Um, as I said, it wasn't, it's not linear. Um, our journeys aren't linear. But um, yeah, I think it just gives you a bit of an idea into our, like, our educational background, but also the amount of work and time it's taken to get to this point. And as it really, just to echo what Rini was saying, it's, it's like it, we're constantly learning. I mean, we are still young in our professions. There's people that we aspire to be like ourselves. And yeah, we, we, we continue to learn you know, with, with, yeah. from each other. Absolutely. Know? And that's one of the things I love about my new environment now. I mean, I've only been in the clinic since April. Um, and I've already learned lots, just even about running a business. Yeah. So um, yeah, I am really excited about what the future holds for us. And we're going to keep learning and keep helping. Awesome. Speak to you soon, guys.